Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got a good friend of mine and the podcast, Breck Bundy. Uh, Breck, how are you doing these days? Doing good. Just really busy, um, which is a good thing, but uh, can't complain. Well, good. Um, You know, you own and operate Mule Deer Addiction Outfitters or MDA Outfitters. Um, They're out of... uh, the St. George area, I guess Washington, Utah is your home, but that's based on the Arizona Strip, which is, what, about 30, 40 miles south of your your hometown there. I've had you on the podcast before um, talking about the Arizona Strip. I'm anxious to have you on today because we're obviously facing, you know, most of Arizona in a severe drought. The first question I would have is probably what everybody's asking you, Uh, With these Arizona uh, deer regulations, you know, applications uh, due here coming up by the beginning of June is what are the conditions out there on the strip and what do you see uh, antler growth? How do you see antler growth, um, you know, reflecting what's what's going on out there? It's it's like you said, it is dry. I mean, this is one of the driest... uh, driest winter springs that we've had in a long time and you know so a lot of guys I've been talking to it's going to be in my opinion it's going to be a down year I hope I'm wrong but you know looking back we haven't really had a a a tough year since 2012 and I think with you know with as dry as it is and and the way conditions are I think it's going to be a tough year that being said it's the Arizona Strip even in drought years there's always you know some some big deer some of the biggest deer in the you know in the world obviously but there'll just be far and few between you know from what we've seen over the past you know four or five years it's it's in my opinion going to be a down year i hope i'm wrong about that but well the one one follow-up question i would have is um i i know back in the early spring there was a couple storms that kind of came through but nothing seemed to be a direct hit um, have you seen, you know, you've been running around there since you were a kid and you've got a lot of experience of running that whole Arizona Strip country from head to toe. I mean, have you seen it this dry ever this time of year? Um, or is it like, oh yeah, Jay, I've seen it. I've seen it like this. It's not as bad as I've ever seen it, but uh, you know, I mean, is there any, anything that could salvage and all of a sudden it, you know, be an average to good year? You know, like you said, we did have a couple couple storms that came through that were that were pretty good, and I mean they they hit the strip and and you know hit most of it, and so that you know that obviously helped, and so I would say it's probably not as bad as I've seen it, but I mean it's it's definitely we're off, you know, and I don't know statistically uh, where we're at as far as precipitation, but like you said, the whole it seems like kind of the whole west here in Utah. Uh, Arizona, you know, it's definitely in a drought. And so, so you know, I'm hoping that it's going to be better than what I'm thinking. But right now, I just, <laughs> it's just too dry and, and uh, conditions aren't, aren't the best, you know, to have an a average or above average year. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, are, are you talking like a lot of the, the, dr- uh, the dirt tanks being dry um, you know, as far as drinking water, um, you know, w- w- are the are the dirt tanks in in most part dry compared to you know this time of year, um, and are they totally relying on you know uh, cattle catchments and what have you 
and, and game and fish drinkers? They, they are, and it, it's going to be, you know, and obviously we're, we're right now, you know, this month and June are our two driest months usually until the monsoons kick in, you know, around the 4th of July, which it seems like, you know, clockwork, it's always right there around the 4th or the, the following week that, that the monsoons kick in. And so, yeah, this year a lot of the dirt tanks are dry, and so the deer are going to be re relying heavily on the game and fish catchments and, you know, cattle catchments. As far as feed conditions, I know you've been running around out there. I'm probably um, betting you've been starting your camera strings and what have you. Um, as far as feed conditions, um, I mean, is it just nothing out there for them to browse on and, and graze on, or is there, you know, is is there some feed still left out there? There, there is. There's still there's still feed, and and you know, like those last couple storms. I mean, they helped helped a lot, but it just hasn't. It hasn't really greened up this year, you know, like it has in the past several years. You know, we've had really good winters and, and good springs. And so there is good feed. You know, the cliff rose is uh, blossoming, and, and uh, they just don't have that, that uh, you know, the, the grass that they've had the past several years. But, but, but there is still feed. So when we've talked before on podcasts and when I've been up there on, in your hunting camps and stuff, we talk about, you know, on a normal year, 13B, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there'll be, you know, like 40 bucks or so, you know, 50 bucks or so that are, you know, 200 plus inches, and there's, you know, probably, you know, 15 of those are in the, you know, 220 plus range type, and, and correct me if those numbers are wrong, are you saying that now it's probably going to be more like, you know, 15 or 20 bucks over 200 inches, you know, across your string of cameras? I mean, is that kind of what we're looking at, or at this point is it hard to tell really what we're looking at? I would say it, it is hard to tell um, right now. I mean, we'll know here pretty quick, you know, end of June, uh, first part of July, we'll have a really good idea. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, instead of having, you know, 40 or 50 200-inch-plus bucks, I mean, you could cut that in half, you know. And going back to, you know, uh, Clear back to 2008. 2008 was a, a stellar year, and there was one particular buck that we knew of that was, you know, 260 or whatever in 2008. And 2009 was a really dry drought year, tough year, and that buck was almost unrecognizable, you know, and, and 200 inches, 210. And and then, you know, the following year, 2010, it was a good year, and he blew right back up to in the 260 range. And so, yeah, I think you know we'll just see a lot. A lot less 200-inch plus deer. There's still going to be some big deer. I mean, there always are, even in the driest of dry years on the strip. It's just the genetics are uh, incredible, um, and so you know you'll still see some big deer come off the strip. But it'll just be, I guess, less 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 bucks that you'll want to be hunting. You know, compared to the last yeah. several years. What about, talk about holdover bucks, because, I mean, the last couple of years, it just seems like you guys, as well as some other outfitters, you know, just keep stacking up just big buck after big buck, um, and, and it's hard to believe that there could be bucks, you know, that you're like, wow, yeah, there's a lot of great holdover bucks, or would you say that last year, a lot of those bucks, you know, the better end bucks got harvested, what are, where are we at as far as you know, year in, year out, you, you guys talk about holdover bucks, and I would ask you, like, are, are we 
average or are you like, yeah, too bad it's a dry year because there's a ton of holdover bucks that, you know, we were, you know, hoping to see what they're going to be? Yeah, yeah, and, and, there, and there are still, even as good as it's been the last few years, um, there's still a, a handful or even more than that, like holdover bucks, you know, that we had, and we still do, we have really high hopes to see what they're going to do this year. Um, and so, like I say, you know, once we get into, you know, into the first part of July, we're going to have a really good idea on, on how these bucks are doing and, and, and what type of a year it's going to be, you know. And so, yeah, there, there are. There's a, you know, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, there's probably 10-plus uh, bucks that, uh, that we're really looking forward to seeing how they do this year, you know, at, being a dry year. And so... Talk, um, Rick, talk a little bit about um, the difference on a dry year in A and B. Um, do you see one unit faring better, you know, better than the other unit as far as, um, you know, does B fare better on a drought or A fare better on a drought? Or would you say as far as, you know, antler growth and what have you, the deer are in the, will be in the same condition in both units? I, I would say typically they would be the same in both units. You know, I always recommend 13B first just, just for the fact that there's, there's more deer and there's more huntable area uh, versus 13A. But, you know, there's years that, that just depending on how the storms line up and where they come through, you know, sometimes 13A will be, you know, have better feed and whatnot. But, but I would say this year, you know, both units are going to be tough or tougher than they have been. Obviously, 13A has been struggling and, you know, I was glad this last year to see the game and fish, you know, uh, took it on and are trying to get it back to, to what its true potential is, you know. And they reduced the tag numbers on the archery and the rifle, which was, a, which was a really good step in my mind. And so I think they're doing, you know, doing really good at managing to get 13A back to what it was. And so, you know, that being said, there's still some giant bucks on 13A as well. Um, but it just hasn't been what it's been in the past. I noticed that the dates, it seems like the last couple of years, A and B kind of flip-flop. Um, it looks like November 9th through November 18th is the 13A time frame. Uh, and then November 16th through November 25th uh, is the 13B time frame. And the, the tag number allocation that you discussed there, 13A on the rifle hunt is 50 tags, which is down, and 13B, it's actually, I believe, up 5 to 80 tags. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, that's November 16th through November 25th. Those dates are pretty darn late for that 13B hunt, are they not? They, they are. They're really late. See, typically, we've always, up until they did swap it uh, uh, a couple years ago or last year, whatever, I guess it was two years ago, it's, you know, 13B has always been first, and it's always been the first you know, that first week in November, um, you know, around the 4th, 5th, 6th, something like that. And so it, they are. They're really late dates, which hopefully as tough as, as, tough as I think it's going to be this year, that'll help a lot. <laughs> having, that, having that rut, you know, just getting that much further into November and, and closer to the, to the peak of the rut instead of right at the front end or, uh, you know, the start of the rut. And so that'll help bring some of the bigger bucks out, you know, out into the open and make them more huntable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it even seems like, um, I forget Parker's, 
Parker's year a couple years ago, it seems like his dates were pretty late, but these even seem like maybe even a week later than that. They, they are. I think they are even a week later. And so it's going to be, like I say, that, that should help as far as the hunt and the, and the conditions, you know, draw some of the bigger bucks out for sure. Talk a little bit. I've been in Mexico for a month, so I kind of a little bit have my head buried in the sand. Before I left, I knew that there were, were, the Game and Fish had talked about um, doing something with trail cameras. Uh, then I heard that there was a commission meeting of some sort, and they agreed to push it off to, I believe, the next meeting. Um, but maybe discuss what you know, what they were proposing, and now kind of um, where we're at. As far as I know, there has been no change with the trail cameras uh, up on the Arizona Strip. Uh, and or statewide for that matter. Is that your recollection? That That is my recollection. And I know what they're proposing, and I'm not uh, in favor of it, is, is a quarter-mile uh, ban, you know, so you can't have cameras within a quarter-mile, which, you know, it will make it harder to get pictures and whatnot, but it's to me it's almost going to make the problem worse. You know, you go to a water hole and me and, maybe three or four other outfitters and maybe a couple guys that are, you know, up scouting on their own have a camera right on the water. You know, now you're going to go, you know, have to be a quarter mile. It's going to be hard for them to regulate, you know. So I'm just, I'm not in favor of that. And, you know, I talked to uh, to Luke Thompson, who's the, the main game warden up here, um, just about the, 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 excuse me, the, the statistics of Specific. it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's like, I've always said the success rate on the strip's always been high. Before the use of trail cameras, you know, it's always been up around 75%, somewhere in that ballpark. So it's a high success rate. And, you know, the use of trail cameras, are we taking bigger deer, you know, older class deer? We are, for sure. But it's just saving some of the deer that without the knowledge and the, the trail cameras, you know, you'd be killing some younger deer. And so... I don't know. I'm just kind of on the yeah. on the fence. You know, I love trail cameras and I hate them. It's a love hate relationship with me. You know, because we yeah. we run them hard. You know, and and run both units and and you know, me and all my guys have areas that we cover, and so we're just you know uh, from camera to camera checking them. You know, we obviously glass in the mornings, evenings, try to film, take pictures and whatnot. And so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But but yeah, as far as right now, uh, that's my recollection that that they're kind of holding off. Uh, and it may not, you know, go into effect until, you know, next year or whatever. Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point, and, and just thinking out, of, you know, for, kind of from an outsider looking in at, at the issue up there, I'm, obviously I'm not an outsider up on the Arizona Strip, but I know the competition is fierce and what have you, but you bring up a good point, and the point is um, because of that data, because of being able to, you know, have photos year after year after year of certain bucks, knowing that that buck is in the area and willing to pass, say, a three- or four-year-old deer that's, you know, say 195, 200-inch, 205-inch, you know, nice buck, um, you know, but maybe going for some of these eight-, nine-year-old bucks, um, you know, some of these older bucks because you know they're alive because of the camera, I mean, there is some merit to that. So, I mean, if anybody's listening that is, you know, considering, uh, all, you know, all of the specifics of a quote-unquote trail camera ban or quote-unquote, you know, managing trail cameras, I mean, one thing to consider is the fact that, um, yes, I believe 
I agree with you in the fact that older age class deer are being harvested, but that's a good thing. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. Harvesting the oldest deer and the most mature, mature deer that we know of is a great thing. It's actually a fantastic thing. Um, exactly. You know, I think possibly a good compromise um, you know, and, and I would be the first one to agree that, you know, being up in your camps and stuff, I have witnessed where, you know, there's 12, 15 cameras hanging on one string and people are constantly going in there and checking, but maybe a, a good kind of medium ground would be to, you know, run them till the season starts and then maybe, you know, say they have to be pulled and, and exactly. then, you know, let the season go by and then say, okay, you can throw them back up after the season's over and, and, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's good middle ground where um, you don't get some of the conflicts that, you know, I think the whole reason that Game and Fish is even considering this is because there's some conflict or conflicts over these cameras, and it creates, you know, competition and what have you. But, I mean, there are some positives to having it, and that's, you know, knowing the inventory and being able to harvest older, you know, age-class animals because of the cameras. But, but maybe some sort of, you know, run them all summer and have them pulled, you know, by the archery season, you know, you know three days before or the day before or a week before or whatever it may be. And then after the archery season, then have, okay, you can run them up until, you know, three days before the rifle season starts and then pull them. And, and maybe that's a great, you know, happy medium or compromise that the game of fish ought to consider um, because I think there's a lot of great data that, that the cameras do provide, um, not only from, you know, different bucks and bulls and rams and what have you across our state, but, I mean, a predator standpoint as well. I mean, you guys have a pretty good idea of mountain lion populations and what have you. Personally, I would hate to see them uh, do a blanket, you know, across the state, you know, no more trail cameras on water, I just think that would be a shame. I, 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 I think yeah. that would be a shame. Uh, uh, and I think there's a way to manage some of the issues that they're, they're even considering this ban. Um, you know, and, and I, I haven't really dove into it completely, but, you know, during the season, yes, it does cause conflicts, but I think there's, a, there's an easy way to fix that and just say maybe you don't run, you know, they're not allowed to be run during the season. and, yeah. and yeah. You know, any camera found during the season is confiscated and auctioned off. And, you know, if yeah. you want it, you can go and buy your camera back. And yep. um, will there be still some people that probably abuse it? Probably. Um, you know, the, the honest people are, will be honest and the dishonest will be dishonest. But yeah, I think yeah. it would be a, a, a great way to start maybe seeing if that will mitigate some of those issues. Exactly. And I, and I totally agree with that. And that's, you know, me and all my guys, have discussed that exact thing, you know, just a, a season date on them, if you will, and, you know, run them up until two or three days before the archery hunt starts, and then they have to be down, just like with, with flying. You know, you can fly up to within 48 hours of the hunt, and then from there you can't fly, you know, uh, the two days before and during the hunt. And so, yeah, uh, and I, yeah, so I totally agree with you. And there, and there is, like you say, from a, from a you know, uh, predator standpoint uh, to the deer to the to the elk to the to the rams you know all of that and even even in some cases you know uh, a poaching case or whatever you know I, I've had the game and fish contact and say hey can you send me uh, pictures from this particular spot um, we had a, a poaching case or whatever you know and so so I think it helps the game and fish you know and obviously 
uh, helps us um, as far as you know looking at uh, the bucks and and like you said it, it definitely it definitely uh, makes us aware of what deer are there and what deer we're hunting and it and it, and it in my opinion it saves younger bucks no question you know so yeah for sure um Let's talk a little bit about the archery hunt. Uh, August 24th to September 13th, uh, looks like 13A has 15 tags, 13B has 25 tags. Um, you know, so in the archery hunt, uh, obviously being a drought now, we could have a bang up monsoon and have, you know, all kinds of moisture. Um, do you see any positives or negatives of it being dry potentially? Maybe some of the water holes don't have water. Um, you know, from from a standpoint of an archer being able to, you know, harvest the buck they want or har you know, you know, get the animal they want. Do you see it being dry as a positive in any way? I, I do. I do. When we have dry, you know, dry uh, archery hunts, say the monsoons come in, you know, we get a little bit of moisture, and then you know it it, it dries out. It's always it's always better when it's when it's hot and dry it, for the archery hunt. I mean, it absolutely makes it, you know, makes it a, a I wouldn't say a better hunt, but you you can set water, you know, and and try to wait for for a buck to come in. And so when it, you know, when we get uh, really wet uh, summers during the archery hunt, it it makes it harder. I mean, you go, and it's funner for for me as a guide, and and even my guys, you know, we go to a spot and stop. Uh, scenario and I mean anyone that archery hunts knows it's it's uh you know it might take four or five or six or ten attempts you know uh glass up a buck and have to have them in the right spot and you know uh stalk in and get within within bow range you know and so yes hot, hot and dry is good for the for the archery hunts Breck, let's do a little bit of a recap. Uh, I just noticed um, Aspen's book, I believe, is on the cover of the Epic Outdoors magazine. Um, I know Dar was able to come up for a few days and, and um, enjoy. I, I wasn't able to make it last year in your camp, but um, year after year you guys produced some incredible deer. Um, talk a little bit about last year, um, you know, either from the archery hunts, uh, and then on into the rifle and maybe highlight some of the better deer that you guys encountered. Yeah, you bet. We, so on the archery hunt, we had uh, we took three clients on the archery hunt last year, and it was, believe it or not, it was actually fairly dry. Um, and even last year, I mean, it was it was it was a tough hunt. We ended up uh, two out of our three clients, a father and son, both took great bucks, 190 inch type deer. Um, you know, one was killed at sit in water, and then one was killed spot and stock, which was awesome. Uh, me and three of my guys and, and uh, the, uh, David's son was able to, you know, watch me and uh, David stalk in on this buck, and it all worked out perfect, you know. And so it was fun. So, you know, we killed two out of three, and then we uh, took several rifle hunters, and obviously Aspen's buck is actually on the cover of Hunting Fool, and then okay. Brian... Brian Rims's wife Nicole's buck, I believe, is going to be on the cover of Epic, and so okay. Um, so we're so we're pretty proud of that. You know, having you know two of the bucks that uh, came out of our camp on covers of two different magazines was pretty neat for us. But so obviously, you know, Brian's uh, Brian's wife Nicole's buck Rims, you know, just an awesome buck. We chased him during the archery hunt, and 
big wide deer, you know, 40 inches wide, and I think right at 40 inches wide, uh, six by six that went, I believe, 220, 220 or 222 or something, somewhere right in there. But just an awesome buck. And um, and then obviously Aspen's buck, you know, we've known about uh, about him for a couple, two or three years, I guess. And he he always was able to elude us during the archery hunt. We actually archery hunted him hard this last year, and then obviously everything worked out on the rifle hunt. It came together, and Aspen actually took her buck uh, hunting with Brett uh, Simmonson, one of my guides, uh, the first day. You know, when having Dar and and her dad there, Dusty and and Parker was there. You know, so it was pretty neat to have that all come together. So and just a such a unique buck. You know, with big giant. Uh, 30 inch main beams and uh, just a neat, neat deer. Yeah, big boxy sucker for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't know, 236 or two. I can't remember the exact numbers on him, but just an awesome deer. And and on the on the rifle hunts, uh, all of our clients, with exception of one, I believe we took eight eight uh, rifle hunters, uh, five on 13B and then three on 13A. Um, all of our hunters killed with the exception of one, and all killed great bucks, you know, uh, 200 ranging from, I think, 185, 180 to, you know, 240 or whatever. So it was a, it was a great year for us, and, you know, I contribute that to, you know, my guys. I have really good uh, friends and guides that, uh, you know, we just have a good, fun, enjoyable uh, camp and, and hunt hard, so... Yeah, I can attest to that. You guys hunt hard, and it is a lot of fun. Um, I, I know in the back of your mind, um, you know, as good as the Arizona Strip is and as quote-unquote spoiled as you have been over the last, you know, years growing up, you've seen some phenomenal deer. I know in the back of your mind there has to be a little bit of you that's just like going, oh, man, please help it be better than what I think it's going to be. And, <laughs> you, you know, we get so spoiled as as you know quote unquote trophy hunters and we get we get so used to seeing big giant stuff that um on a year like this you just kind of got to grit your teeth and go on with it i mean there's really nothing else you can do i mean there's still going to be some big deer you can chase um but i'm sure in the back of your mind that there's a little bit of of just you know dang it why you know out of all the years why does this have to be the dry year (laughs) exactly and you know We've been spoiled, you know, obviously me and my family, you know, growing up uh, and, and running around out there, you know, I think we've talked on previous podcasts, you know, we'll, we'll look at a trail camera picture of a buck that, say, you know, is 200 inches. I mean, that's a big deer, but it's just like, ah, he's not, you know, nothing we're going to be looking at, you know. And so it, it's just, like I say, I think the last year that was that was really tough that I can remember was uh, – 2012. I mean, we've been spoiled. You know, Daniel had the tag in 2013 when you came up, and you know, the archery hunts in 2013 were tough because it, it rained. You know, it's the year my brother Bronson had the tag, archery drew an archery tag on 13A, and it rained, I believe, 18 or 19 out of the 21 day season. You know, and and made it really really tough. Um, but but from you know 2012 all the way till now, I mean, we've had phenomenal years, and so I'm just. Like I say, there's always going to be some big deer, and I've talked to several guys that, you know, I say, hey, put still put in, especially, you know, some of these guys that are that are non-residents, you know, and they're getting older, and, you know, their odds of drawing a tag are still, you know, slim to none, and I just tell them, hey, put in, you know, and let's, let's just see how things go. And so, 
But yeah, I'm just yeah. afraid. You know, we haven't had 2000. The worst year I since I've been guiding ever that I can remember was 2007. I mean, it was it was tough for for everyone, and I'm hoping, and I I don't think it's going to be that bad, um, but I'm hoping it's going to be you know. Even in 2012, I mean, we, you know, had opportunities with some really good bucks and, you know, 200-inch type deer. And, and uh, you know, my client that year was, was, you know, he was there to kill a big deer or go home with his tag. And, you know, we passed, like I say, we passed on some good bucks, but he ended up uh, going home with his tag. Um, and, and he was fine with it, which, you know, I'm always, hey, we do our best. We're going to hunt hard, you know, the entire season, whatever it takes. We're going to do what we can and try to, you know, take the, the best buck possible, but I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a better, you know, better than 2007. I can see it being a, like a 2012. Um, and so, like I say, I'm just, I'm crossing my fingers and like I say, we'll know here in, in a month and a half or so how things are shaking, shaking up and looking. So. Yeah. You got a string out there running right now? No, not yet. Not yet. We won't. Nice. Uh, we won't here for another couple weeks, anyway. But okay. Okay. Well, yeah. It's just one of those things. You know, one of the questions I was going to ask you. You kind of covered it. Is you know, if you're a non-resident, you're sitting on a you know max points, and and you know, or a resident sitting on max points, would it would it create you not to apply? What I hear you saying is if. You know, maybe if you're really young and, and you've got max points, you've got a lot of time, maybe, but you're, there's still going to be big deer to chase. And because the draw odds are so bad as they are, um, you would recommend still put in, maybe use the point guard, the $5 point guard, just yeah. in case, you know, by the time the draw comes out, uh, it's real evident. And by the time the hunt starts, there's always that option to give the tag back, which is a, is an added bonus for for us now with that with that point guard. Maybe that's the the way to go. And and exactly. but you still got to try and draw the tag. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. And you know, residents obviously, you know, their odds are a lot better with that ten percent cap on non-residents. You know, they they're given eight non-resident tags on thirteen B and five on thirteen A. You know, it's it's tough for for non-residents. Um, you know that that are that are getting older. You know, I and like you said, if it if it was a young young guy that had you know, say somebody around my age or whatever that still has you know twenty or thirty years, you know, I would you know maybe recommend to them, hey, just hold off. Let's you know on this year or like you said, do the point guard. You can always once we you know have an idea, uh, you know, in July or whatever how things are shaping up and and if it's if it's really bad, hey, turn the tag back in. So. Yeah, Breck. I know you're busy. Um, we talked about before we went live. Uh, you're also in the surveying business in St. George. Obviously, the real estate market a across the country is blowing up, but St. George is, you know, kind of at the forefront of you know fastest growing cities around. And you're busy as you can be, so I'm not going to take up much more of your time. But um, I want to end on. Uh, do you mess much with the 12B, 12B West, uh, the Kiev app, 12A, 12A East, 12A West? Um, do you mess much with that, or do you stick primarily uh, with the Arizona Strip as far as your you know, guiding? We, yeah, we, we primarily stick with uh, 13B and 13A. That being said, in years past, we have guided you know quite a few times on 12B, uh, 12B West, 12B um, and I, I've hunted the Kayabat a lot myself growing up. Archery hunted it and everything, but but I haven't 
haven't guided on on the Kaibab. And so, so 12B, yes, we do, we will. Um, you know, some years take a client or two on that, but but primarily our focus is 13B and 13A. I noticed um, 12B West. Um, uh, they've got that November 23rd through December 2nd. So as far as dates go, as far as rutting, um, should be phenomenal rutting dates there on, on 12B West. And, I mean, they shoot every year. There's some big deer that come out of 12B. But those dates, um, do you believe that those dates could actually make that hunt? I mean, other than antler growth probably being subpar, it's probably going to be a phenomenal hunt, huh? Yeah, it, yeah, it will be a phenomenal hunt. And, and we've taken some really good bucks on 12B. And over the past several years, you know, the Kayabab's kind of been coming, coming back. And then you get a lot of deer that, that migrate from Utah on to 12B. And so, you know, depending, like you say, with those dates, you're going to have that migration most likely. Um, so you'll have a lot of, you know, you, you typically see a lot of deer on, on 12B on that late hunt. Um, the early hunt's tough, but that late hunt, um, especially this year with the season dates, yeah, it could be could be phenomenal. Right on, man. Well, uh, like I said, I know you're busy. I appreciate your time. Uh, congrats on the great deer your clients took last year, and I'll be looking forward to checking out uh, your social media, the MDA Outfitters on Instagram and your Facebook and such, uh, seeing the new crop of deer uh, coming out this summer, and you know, and you never know. Maybe, maybe we get some early monsoon storms, and uh, things finish out uh, nice and uh, uh, green up, and and uh, you know, we move forward and get through this year, and have, you know, maybe maybe change a cycle and get some wet years, and and go into next year, uh, you know, hit the ground running, so to speak. So, exactly. um, thank thanks for coming on and uh, uh, sharing with us. I want to give you a chance. I'll also link it up in the show notes, but uh, if people want to chat with you more about the strip, about putting in, um, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way? But probably email would be the best, or, or call, text. Um, you can call or text me at 435-632-3541, or email me uh, at breck. B-R-E-C at skyviewmail.com. Um, those are probably the two best ways. You could also uh, direct message us on Instagram. Um, and we'll, you know, I, I've been, we haven't been really active on Instagram just because everybody's so busy, but uh, we'll get it geared up and going again here before too long. So Sounds good, man. Well, um, have fun this summer running your your string of cameras, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the game and fish. And um, hopefully, hopefully they can come up with a resolution that's not a total ban or you know a quarter mile. I just don't think that's very very feasible. Um, hopefully, we can come up with some sort of solution um, as sportsmen and and you know get in their ear a little bit and and try and make it as as good for everybody as we can. Uh, and uh, like I said, I look forward to seeing your success this fall and uh, uh, hope we can just uh, get through this year. I know there'll still be some great deer taken um, out there and um, maybe not as, as many as normal, but uh, uh, it's always good to be on the Arizona Strip no matter what, what conditions you've got. And exactly. uh, I, know, I know you live out there. Uh, you're, like a, uh, you're like a nomad out there just, just uh, living on beanie weenies and uh, running around in your... Uh, in your razor a million miles an hour. I've witnessed that myself. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Good talking to you, and uh, thanks for sharing with us. Okay, no problem, Jay. It's good talking with you as well.
All right, buddy. God bless. Okay, you too. We'll see you. Bye.